Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for the Pediatric Section Advisory Group podcast. My name is Kimmy Johnstone, and I'm a PGY2 resident at St. Louis Children's Hospital. And my name is Mackenzie Devine. I'm a pediatric critical care clinical pharmacist at Children's Hospital Colorado. We will be the moderators for the podcast today, and we will be debating the pros and cons of AUC versus trough monitoring of vancomycin in pediatric patients. In June of 2020, a new consensus guideline was published in the American Journal of Health System Pharmacy that changed therapeutic drug monitoring recommendations for vancomycin from troughs to AUC. This change has created significant controversy across the nation. Today, we are hoping to settle some of these controversies. On the pro side, we have Dr. Kaylin Duran, PharmD, BCIDP, who is the Pediatric Infectious Diseases and Pediatric and Adult Antimicrobial Stewardship Clinical Pharmacist at Holtz Women and Children's Hospital and Jackson Memorial Hospital. For the con side, we have Dr. Jason Child, PharmD, BCIDP, who is an HIV and infectious diseases clinical pharmacist specialist and co-director of antimicrobial stewardship at Children's Hospital Colorado. Thank you both for joining us today. Before we jump into the debate, could each of you please describe the current practices at your respective institutions? We'll first hear from Dr. Child. Thank you. This is Jason. Um, at Children's Hospital Colorado, we still have the provider placing orders for vancomycin as well as ordering labs. The pharmacists play an integral role in starting dose durations and providing recommendations on target goals as well as doses to start with. When follow-up labs are ordered, the pharmacists will follow up and recommend dose changes as well as follow-up monitoring, but we do still use the target gold troughs of 15 to 20. We have recently been discussing whether or not the need to adjust our gold troughs down to either 10 to 15, or some data suggests 10 to 18 mics per mil. Uh, we have not started doing AUC monitoring at this time. Thank you. Next, we'll hear from Dr. Duran. Hi, this is Kaylin um, at Holtz Women and Children's Hospital, as well as Jackson Memorial Hospital. We do still use a trough-based dosing system for vancomycin, aiming for a range of 10 to 20 based on the indication. As a healthcare system, we have implemented a vancomycin pharmacy-to-dose program in which pharmacists write daily notes, order labs, and adjust the vancomycin dose per protocol. In pediatrics, as patients often require high milligram per kilogram dosing in order to obtain therapeutic levels, we have implemented continuous vancomycin to help ensure quicker therapeutic levels and hopefully limit the development of nephrotoxicity. On the adult side, we are in the process of validating an AUC modeling system and looking into the feasibility of AUC monitoring as a pilot program. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. So I think we can dive right into the debate. And as you both mentioned, nephrotoxicity is one of the things that we worry about with vancomycin. So the first topic we want to cover is which method has a lower risk of nephrotoxicity and why? And we will start with Dr. Duran. Great. Thank you. As I mentioned earlier, pediatric patients frequently require high milligram per kilogram dosing 
of vancomycin to obtain therapeutic troughs of 10 to 20 due to an increased clearance in comparison to adults. These target vancomycin trough ranges applied to pediatric patients are extrapolated from adult data. Adult studies have shown that troughs of 15 to 20 typically correlate to an AUC-MIC of 400 to 1, a target pharmacodynamic parameter that has demonstrated improved clinical and bacterial response in adult patients with MRSA, lower respiratory tract infections, and bacteremia. To reach a goal trough of 15 to 20, some data suggests young patients between ages 1 and 6 are more likely to require 80 to 85 milligrams per kilogram per day divided every six hours. However, this high dosing does not come without its risks. Sinclair and colleagues assessed 175 pediatric patients ages three months to 18 years receiving vancomycin for 48 hours or more. Multi-regression analysis showed that out of the 13.7% of patients with AKI per modified rifle criteria, there is a statistically significant increased risk with every five milligram per kilogram dose increase. Additionally, several studies have shown troughs above 15 have been associated with a statistically significant increased risk of AKI in pediatric patients when compared to those with troughs less than 15. While we are pushing to obtain these high troughs, studies have shown that troughs may underestimate the AUC in pediatric patients. A pharmacokinetic evaluation by Freimoyer and colleagues modeled a dose of 15 milligrams per kilogram every six hours and showed that estimated troughs of 7 to 10, not 15 to 20, were predicted to correlate to achieving an AUC-MIC goal of more than 400 for over 90% of the patients. Similarly, another published model on pediatric patients three months and older showed troughs of 8 to 9 corresponding to AUC-MIC goals, but even with doses of 60 to 70 milligrams per kilogram per day, trough goals were only obtained in 45% of children. Thus, one area that should be examined is, are we unnecessarily exposing our pediatric patients to higher and higher doses, placing them at risk of AKI to obtain our goal troughs when lower dosing could be achieved by targeting an AUC? The ASHP and IDSA guidelines recommend using AUC to MIC-based dosing, targeting a range of 400 to 600 in pediatric patients for both efficacy and toxicity. This concept has been demonstrated in the literature on AUC monitoring and nephrotoxicity. The Detroit Medical Center switched from trough to AUC-based dosing to minimize unnecessary vancomycin exposure. After this change, a retrospective quasi-experiment of 1,280 hospitalized adult patients receiving IV vancomycin was performed with the primary objective of assessing the impact of switching to AUC-based dosing to avoid vancomycin-induced nephrotoxicity. After adjusting for severity of illness, comorbidities, duration of vancomycin, and concomitant administration of nephrotoxins, AUC-guided dosing was independently associated with a lower risk of nephrotoxicity. The authors also found that patients monitored by trough concentration had a significantly lower total daily dose of vancomycin, lower AUCs, and lower troughs. Although this is in adult patients, the same relationship is expected to be demonstrated in the pediatric population. Great. And next we'll hear from Dr. Child. There are many studies that have evaluated uh, acute kidney injury based on gold troughs. Certainly, we've seen more um, nephrotoxicity experienced with pushing the troughs to greater than 15. But the follow, following the new guidelines and keeping our total daily doses below 80 milligrams per kilo per day and keeping our trough goal concentrations below 15 mics per mil 
I think we can certainly have an impact on the occurrence of nephrotoxicity in our patient population. In 2006, Hidiat enrolled 95 patients that showed if the trough concentration was 15 mics per mil or less, that there were no AKI experienced in his study. Again, the Frymoyer study that Kalen had referenced showed that there was a greater than 90% predictability troughs of 7 to 10, achieving a goal AUC of 400. So that just reinforces the ability to use trough concentrations to guide therapy. If you keep your targeted goal trough in the 10 to 15 mics per mil range. Now, guidelines allow for pediatrics to have an AUC up to 800, but the studies that have shown increased risk of AKI with AUCs that high. And in 2018, a study by Zazowski had showed a relative risk of 3.7 for acute kidney injury if the AUC was above 677. And another study in 2011 by Basso showed that with AUCs of 800, uh, it would be associated with an increase of 35% incidence of nephrotoxicity. Or if you targeted a trough that was greater than 15 mics per mil, you'd have a threefold increase in risk for nephrotoxicity. And then Kishkin 2017 published a paper on the different methods for calculating EUC. And I think we can show a significant impact on nephrotoxicity if we keep our trough goals below the 15 mics per mil, and for those patients that require the higher dose using our 80 milligram per kilo per day as our, our max dose. So I think there's still literature supporting using trough goals. Now, whether or not we really need to push our troughs above 15 uh, for me is the real question. Thanks so much for that discussion. A similar controversy in the literature is the safest approach for dosing vancomycin, especially in pediatric obesity. So first, we will hear from Dr. Child on this topic. Certainly, the data in obese patients is, is less clear. Studies in obese adults uh, using vancomycin was shown to have a larger volume of distribution with a faster clearance, but no studies have been conclusive on the differences in trough concentrations or nephrotoxicity in this population. One study in morbidly obese patients weighing greater than 100 kilos did show increased nephrotoxicity. Now in pediatrics, it's even less clear if there is a true clinical difference in dosing and trough attainment for obese or overweight children. In 2011, Moffitt published a paper that found no difference in dosing or trough concentrations, where in 2013, Hebel's paper did find a difference in trough concentrations when comparing overweight and obese children to normal body weight. I have not found good pediatric studies suggesting that increased risk of nephrotoxicity is associated with uh, obesity if the target concentrations are still maintained with 15 mics per mil or less. Thank you. So now we'll hear from Dr. Durant. Thank you. Um, as Jason noted, vancomycin has shown to have altered PKPD in obese patients. And I think one way this can be addressed is by using AUC-based modeling when dosing vancomycin in this patient population. As with other populations, dosing by AUC is again recommended by ASHP and IDSA guidelines for obese children. 
Bayesian estimation is able to take into account this altered clearance and volume of distribution and estimate pharmacodynamic parameters within models that have been specifically validated for these patient populations. The utility of dosing by AUC in the obese population has been demonstrated in a retrospective cohort analysis of 119 adult patients within a large hospital network. The authors of this study aimed to evaluate the total daily dose needed to achieve target troughs versus the total daily dose to achieve a goal AUC and then stratified these groups by BMI. Patients were included in their study if they had a confirmed MRSA bacteremia with an achieved trough of 15 to 20 at steady state and were then stratified by BMI less than 30 versus a BMI of 30 and greater. Within this study population, 43% of the adult patients were obese versus 57% of patients who were considered non-obese. Within the obese cohort, the authors found a statistically significant increase in the mean total daily dose in the trough-dose-based arm versus the AUC-dose-based arm of 2,600 versus 1,900 milligrams retrospectively. The difference in total daily dose between trough and AUC arms, however, was not significant in patients with a BMI less than 30. This suggests that patients with higher BMIs may receive more significant overdosing compared to lower BMI patients when a trough-based approach is used. The authors also looked at AKI as a secondary outcome and found that 38.7% of all patients were affected. AKI was more frequent in the high BMI group versus the low BMI group, with 54.9% of high BMI patients experiencing AKI versus only 26.5% of BMI less than 30 patients experiencing AKI. Looking at the obese pediatric population, Magda and colleagues discovered patients weighing greater than 50 kilos experienced increased trough concentrations at normal to low dosing in comparison to patients less than 50 kilos, while Hebel and colleagues demonstrated overweight and obese children had higher initial vancomycin concentrations than children with normal body weight when using the same milligram per kilogram dosing. The obese population's propensity for higher initial levels utilizing normal pediatric dosing could potentially place this population at an increased risk of toxicity. AUC-based dosing using Bayesian model does not require the patient to be at steady state, and as such, levels in toxic exposure could be identified within 24 hours within this population, instead of waiting 36 to 48 hours for the patient to be at steady state. This population may be at an increased benefit from AUC-based dosing to limit the vancomycin exposure and thus decrease the risk of AKI, as discussed previously. Great. Thank you both. So I think the next topic that we'll cover is one that we think about as both pharmacists and as healthcare professionals in general, is how much are these regimens going to cost? Leading us to our next topic of which method is more cost-effective, and we will start with Dr. Child. So considering the expense of the modeling software, and certainly today, uh, there are very few pharmacies, I think, that would be able to add this kind of expense to their budget. If you decide that you want to do hand calculations of AUCs, then you're adding also time of the pharmacist, not to mention training. If you decide to use software, then again, training can also be an issue to keep the pharmacy staff efficient in using this software. If you decide that you're going to hire a pharmacist team to do the vancomycin kinetics, and provide consistency throughout the institution, that also is an additional expense, not only in the software program, but in the additional pharmacy staff. 
if you're going to use the software, I still believe that you need to use the two concentrations to have a better, more accurate calculating the AUC and being able to recommend dosing adjustments. So the question is, do you draw two levels on all patients? Since most of the data would suggest that better outcomes are associated with it, obtaining your goal, vancomycin, AUC, or trough within that first 24 to 48 hours of starting vancomycin, this would certainly add to your expense for labs and time with vancomycin monitoring. Uh, do you target certain populations that are highest risk to decrease the number of initial vancomycin draws? Again, these are things that we need to consider before we would implement an expensive software program here at Children's. And again, depending on how often you use vancomycin that continues beyond 48 hours. So I think adding these two-level uh, kinetics, the time it takes for pharmacists to do that in every patient is a strain on pharmacy staff and also the training involved for calculating AUC as well as training for using these new software programs, I think adds a burden to the pharmacy staff as well. And now we'll hear from Dr. Durand. So in thinking about using AUC modeling, it is important to take into consideration the cost, um, not only the cost of the product, but as Jason had mentioned, the uh, time cost, the resource cost, and everything of that nature. Obtaining a trough is only one level. However, depending on how you calculate AUC, you need to account for a two-level draw or potentially pay for a Bayesian model software, which can range from $10,000 to $50,000 a year. But even though these alternatives can seem pricey, I think once you look past the sticker shock, the overall benefit could be worth it. There was a study published just last month by Lee and colleagues, which investigated this issue, and they performed a cost-benefit comparison of trough with a goal of 10 to 20, two-level AUC, and Bayesian AUC dosing for vancomycin. The authors used an institutional perspective, assessing cost to a health system from patient admission to discharge. Their process used a decision tree in order to model the probabilities and costs of AKI associated with vancomycin within 48 hours of vancomycin use up to 21 days of therapy. In their analysis, they looked at three current Bayesian software systems, all of which have been validated in the pediatric population. These models were DoseMe, InsightRx, and Bestos. In addition to examining cost associated with vancomycin-induced AKI, the labor cost of pharmacists and phlebotomists was also taken into account, assuming about 30 minutes allotted to each professional to perform all actions necessary for the vancomycin level. Last, costs of Bayesian dosing programs were included in the analysis. In their base analysis, the authors estimated it would cost approximately $2,900, $2,136, and $917 to manage an AKI due to vancomycin from a trough to sample AUC and Bayesian-based dosing retrospectively. Without rounding, this provides an incremental cost benefit per patient of $846 using AUC two-sample dosing versus trough-based dosing and $2,000 for Bayesian versus trough-based dosing by preventing AKI. Next, the authors performed a 10,000 simulation model using a probabilistic sensitivity analysis, which is a method of accounting for uncertainty in a cost-effectiveness model. This analysis demonstrated a $1,300 cost savings per benefit 
or per patient using two sample AUC versus trough-based dosing, ranging from $300 to $2,500. It also showed a cost benefit of $800 to $3,000 for patients using Bayesian modeling instead of trough-based dosing. Overall, the majority of this benefit stemmed from avoidance of AKI, with added cost savings from decreased personnel and monitoring costs. Monitoring costs, however, should not be pushed aside. Another important concept in examining cost efficacy is merely the decrease in necessary levels needed to become therapeutic. There was a prospective study of 43 children, ages 1 to 18, evaluating vancomycin pharmacodynamic properties at steady state after dosing of 15 milligrams per kilogram per dose every six hours. The authors estimated that with trough monitoring, aiming for greater than 15, 70% of these patients were expected to require an increase in dose in comparison to only 40% of patients if targeting an AUC to MIC of 400 or greater. Furthermore, a 2019 study published in Clinical Infectious Diseases estimated a potential savings of $49,000 a year in AUC modeling versus trough-based modeling alone. Thank you so much for that discussion. That is all the time we have for this session. So thank you both so much for taking time to discuss this very important topic with us today. If you haven't before, we encourage you all to check out ASHP's Pediatric Resources. You can find member-exclusive offerings in the Pediatric Resource Center, including disease-specific articles and guidelines, webinars, and links for education and training. And we want to thank everyone again for tuning in to this session and join us here every Thursday where we'll be talking with ASHP member content matter experts on a variety of clinical topics. Be sure to subscribe to the ASHP podcast through your favorite podcast provider. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.